good part of the Sefer of Shemais is devoted to the description in minute detail of the construction of the Mishkan, of the portable temple, the sanctuary, that Moses built and the Jews carried with them for 40 years in the desert. There must be profound, divine, esoteric meaning in every one of those details, particularly since they're often repeated. God commands that certain things be done. Moshe tells the people to do it, and then the people do it. And all of this is described in the Torah word for word. Obviously, the use of all these physical objects, the gold and the silver and the copper and the wood and the wools and the skins, in order to make a sanctuary, in order to build a little house for God or a tent, since it was portable, the tent of meeting, the fact that the Ten Commandments were contained in an ark and the ark had to be of a certain measure and it had to have a lid and it had to be covered with with gold on the inside and on the outside. What this tells us right up front is that godliness is contained in physical objects. That we must use physical objects in a godly fashion because there is a divine spark and potential that every physical object has for which it was created. That is its proper and uh, ultimate use And when we use it in that way, then we are creating a godly world out of these physical materials and substances. And this tells us that our home, the physical location, must be holy, must be godly, can be godly, and therefore must be godly. But to get a little bit more specific, the boards that make up the walls of this mishkan, of this tabernacle, were made out of wood called shittim. It's it's the type of wood that was used, but the Hebrew word for it is shittim. And the Rebbe says in his first public discourse upon becoming Rebbe, he mentions that the word shittim is related to the word shtus, meaning folly, insanity. And that the purpose of using this particular kind of wood for the construction of the Mishkan is because we are to take the foolishness, the folly, the insanity of the world and turn that into something godly. Not only the physical object but even the insanity that comes with it. How do we turn insanity into godliness? By using a godliness that is also without reason. In other words, there's a certain behavior that is unreasonable, without reason, because it is below intelligent. It is lacking intelligence, and so it is unreasonable. But then there's also a kind of behavior that has no reason. It's unreasonable, but not because it's lacking reason, 
It's not below intelligent. It is above intelligent. It is super rational. It is truer, better than reason can produce. And so it also is foolish. It also is insane. It's not sane because it is something greater and better than sanity. A person devoting his life to a cause can be called a mishuganer. That kind of behavior can be described as insane. It is not rational. It's not reasonable. It's unreasonable. It's unreasonably good. It is greater than reason. And so we can turn the foolishness, the insanity that is lacking intelligence, into an insanity that is greater than intelligence. But to simply be rational in our godliness would leave the foolishness or the insanity of the world, it would leave that out of the loop of godliness. And so the world's perfection, the world's transformation into a godly place would not be complete. Since it has to be complete, we have to involve, we have to salvage even the insanity of the world and make even that part of the dwelling place, the mishkan, the tent of meeting, the house for God. And not only does it need to be part of the Mishkan, but it seems to be a very prominent part. It's the very walls themselves. In sheer quantity, there was more of those boards than of any other material. So what does it mean that insane behavior, unreasonable, irrational behavior comes in a holy form and in an unholy form, and we must elevate the unholy form and bring it to holiness. One of the areas in which this kind of unreasonable behavior exists is in the intimate relationship between men and women. There is no area that contains more insanity <laughs> than in a relationship between a man and a woman. We become brainless. We become completely irrational and unreasonable in these relationships. In fact, I suggested to a group of, of singles that they basically give up trying to get along. We've been trying for 60 years. It's not working. Maybe it's not meant to work. Give it up. What does it take to convince you that it can't work? It can't work. Men and women cannot get along. Maybe they're not meant to get along. Maybe they shouldn't get along. I got a really fright, frightening thought. Maybe the men and women who do get along are not normal. Maybe there's something wrong with them because men and women are not supposed to get along. And if they're getting along, maybe, maybe they're missing something. Maybe there's something wrong with them, not with us. Just an example. If two guys have been friends for a long time, best pals, best friends, 
and then one of them does something that really upsets the other. Do they go to counseling? <laughs> do they go for therapy? Do they agonize? Do they lose sleep? They simply say, well, that's the end of a good thing. It was fun while it lasted. We're not friends anymore. It's over. I don't trust you. I don't like you anymore. But when a man and a woman have a relationship and one of them does something to hurt the other, the agony, the suffering, the counseling, the therapy, what for? What for? It's not working. End it. Finish it. Why are we so irrational about this relationship? On the other hand, marriage is another form of insanity. Once you're married, once you are husband and wife, you must take care of each other, you must be there for each other, you must sacrifice for each other to the point of insanity. It is a totally unreasonable relationship. You let another person into your life, into your house, into your kitchen, and you're supposed to live with this? This is not reasonable. How can two people, two complete human beings with opinions, live in the same house? It's expecting too much. It's unreasonable. It's irrational. It's insane. And so we have two forms of insanity. Men and women without marriage, men and women with marriage. But what's the difference? The difference is that the insanity of men and women outside of marriage is insane because it has no reason and it has no purpose. It's below intelligent. The insanity that goes on inside of marriage is insane because marriage is much greater than any rational argument, than any rational purpose or reason. In other words, there is something greater than sanity and there is something below sanity. And it's in the same area in the relationship between men and women. By getting married, we are actually taking the insanity that is below intelligent and turning it into an insanity that is greater than intelligent. And that's the only way that it can work. A reasonable, rational marriage is a contradiction in terms. Marriage is not meant to be reasonable. It's not meant to be rational. It's not meant to be sane. It's meant to take an insanity that destroys people, that ruins people's lives, that makes people miserable, and turn it into something much greater than anything rational or sane. That's the only thing you can do with insanity. You cannot turn insanity sane. You have to turn the insanity that is pointless into an insanity that is great. And that's why in a marriage, every sacrifice is correct. Every effort is correct. Every surrender is correct. Because marriage is such an irrational good that you don't have to justify your behavior. You don't have to explain why you're willing 
to change your entire lifestyle because your wife needs to. You don't have to explain why you describe your husband's problem as if it were your problem. No need to explain. That's what marriage is. The devotion of a husband to a wife is a godly insanity. The attempt of men and women to get along outside of marriage is just plain insanity. <laughs> it's just not working. It's destroying lives. And even if we do manage to get along, even if there's some way that men and women can understand each other, cooperate with each other, it's too rational. It's too reasonable. It's not the way men and women are supposed to interact. The volatile combination of male and female is supposed to produce insanity. Either an insanity that destroys or an insanity that produces the next generation. Because procreating is insanity. Having a child is insane. What human being seriously, honestly feels qualified and worthy and capable of raising a child? It's insane. A rational human being would never undertake such a responsibility. But we do it. We must do it. That's what we're here for, to give life. Not to hoard life, but to give life. And so we become parents. And that's really insane. It's totally unreasonable. And to become parents, we have to engage in the same intimate act that is pure insanity outside of procreation, outside of marriage. It's craziness. It makes us crazy. It makes us insane. It's unreasonable. It's irrational. And so again, we have two sides of a single phenomenon, two insanities, an insanity that destroys and wastes life, an insanity that gives life. And so we see that making the Mishkan out of these boards called Shittim, this idea of harnessing insanity to serve a godly purpose is not a rare occasion. It's not a mere detail in the bigger picture of making the world a godly place. But it may be the ultimate, because the ultimate in the lowest of worlds, where God wants to make his home, the ultimate lowness, lowliness of the lowest world is the insanity that is below intelligent. And actually, that's what physical really means. The very need to eat is irrational. The appetite for food is irrational. Appetite is irrational. The pursuit of pleasure is irrational. And that's where idolatry comes from. Idolatry means when you attribute significance to something that basically has no significance, or you attribute more significance to something than, than it deserves. That's called 
idolizing. It's called idolatry. We have an appetite. We have a desire for pleasure. We have this tendency to pursue pleasure. But what do we make of it? What do we think of it? How do we describe it? If we attribute great significance and meaning to it, we're creating an idol. And what is an idol? A form of insanity, a blindness, a thoughtlessness, unreasonable behavior. And that's why idolatry is so dangerous. That's why idolatry leads to adultery and to murder almost inevitably. Because once you become thoughtless, all morality falls away. And so these desires, these appetites, these pursuits, they are all below intelligent. And that's why in moments of sobriety, moments of clarity, we are embarrassed by these needs, we're embarrassed by these desires, we're apologetic about our past behavior, because it's not seemly, it's not fitting for an intelligent being to behave in such an unintelligent fashion. It is certainly unseemly, certainly unseemly, for an intelligent human being to use his intelligence to justify and rationalize unintelligent behavior. But this unintelligent behavior is what the physical world is really all about. The physical is what it is without explanation, without justification. A stone is a stone. It doesn't rationalize. It doesn't, it doesn't feel a need to rationalize. I'm a stone. That's it. That's what I am. Take it or leave it. I don't have to make sense. I don't care to make sense. And I don't make sense. I just am what I am. That's the physical. So the physical, by very definition, is sub-intelligent. Intelligence means... Being able to study, being able to explain, being able to see patterns, being able to understand what already is. And what already is doesn't have to make sense. Its existence doesn't need explaining. It simply is. So in, in some way, all physical reality is sub-intelligent. All godly reality is super-intelligent. God's intention, God's purpose in creating the world cannot be rationalized, doesn't need to be rationalized. It is what it is. A stone is a stone because that's what a stone is, and God is God because that's what God is. These are absolute realities, not constructs, of intelligence. Now, the reality of the physical is temporary. The reality of God is eternal. But both need no rationalizations. So when we take from the physical, which is sub-intelligent, and use it for purposes that is super-intelligent or super-rational, which means not that it is very rational, it means that it is above rational, that it doesn't need to be rationalized. Like right is right and wrong is wrong, whether we can explain it or not. This kind of 
super rational behavior is the antidote, the only antidote to that which is purely physical because the purely physical is also irrational and insane. That's why there is so much emphasis in Torah and Hasidus particularly on appreciating that which is greater than intelligent. When people say, faith is blind, it's super rational, it's unreasonable, the devotion, the dedication that Jews have had to mitzvahs, to every mitzvah, to every custom, to every, to every minhag, seems to be irrational, too much. Why? Unnecessary. Do we really have to die rather than give up Shabbos? Do we really have to die rather than uh, allow the schools and the shuls and the mikvahs to be closed down by the communists? Must we really go that far? And it seems unnecessary. But it's only unnecessary if we assume, if we accept the physical as if it were rational. When you're talking to a rational person, you respond with a greater rational argument. If you're talking to an irrational person, you can't argue rationally. You can't treat irrational behavior with rational solutions. Where there is irrational behavior, where there is an insanity, the antidote can only come from a greater insanity, a truer insanity. And that's why it is natural that all goodness, all morality, all godliness be irrational. Because the godliness is the antidote to the ungodly. Moral is the antidote to the immoral. The immoral is irrational. The ungodly is irrational. And if we're really going to make a true difference, if we're really going to change the world thoroughly, permanently, internally, then it has to change in its insanity. We have to reach that far into the physical, that deep into the physical, that we're actually affecting the irrational and insane dimension of the world. And the only way to do that is by introducing something that is equally irrational but true. Whereas the irrational of the physical is not true. That's why in a marriage, irrational behavior is not only accepted but necessary. You have to go beyond yourself. You can't reason your way through a marriage. You have to serve your way through a marriage. And serving can also be rational, but then it doesn't, it doesn't accomplish the job. Serving has to be irrational. And irrational serving means, I don't know why you need what you need, but if that's what you need, then I am here to serve you. Then I will do that for you because that's what you need.
And if I were to be asked, what is the purpose? Why are you doing what you're doing? What good will it bring? What benefit does it bring? I have no idea. I don't know. I'm doing this because someone else feels a need for it. I'm doing this because someone else finds satisfaction in it. And I cannot explain what kind of satisfaction or what kind of meaning anyone could possibly find in what I am doing. In my behavior, I can offer no explanation. Why then am I doing it? Not only doing it, I'm devoted to doing it. And devoted with a pleasure. Where do I get this pleasure from? How can I enjoy doing something I have no purpose for, I have no reason for, I have no explanation for? It's totally irrational, insane behavior. And yet this is what marriage demands. This is the only way marriage can be. This is what marriage means. It means, without any explanation, without any rationalization, without any meaning that I can explain, I am devoted to someone else's need. I'm there because that's what someone else needs. I'm doing what I'm doing because someone needs it. And it's not that I'm trying to win favor. It's not that I'm doing what you need because I want you to do what I need. It's not because if I don't do it, I'll never hear the end of it, and I want to live in peace, so I'll do it and leave me alone. It doesn't need those kinds of rationalizations. It is perfectly correct. It is perfectly right for one person to do for the other person what the other person needs or wants, even without any explanation, without any rationalization, and without any argument. That's correct. It's an insanity, but it's a true insanity. It's irrational behavior, but it is true irrational behavior. In other words, irrational out of necessity. Necessarily irrational. Not irrational for lack of intelligence. And that's how we make the foolishness of the world, the insanity of the world, into something godly. That's how we turn false into truth. It can't be done with logic. Truth is the antidote to false. And true is true even when we have no explanation. Right is right even when we have no explanation. And that's the antidote to foolishness and to falsehood, because false is false, even if I can't prove it. False is false, not because of a reason, but out of lack of reason. And so it's an unreasonable condition. It is false for no reason. Darkness is false. Why? Because it's not light for no reason. Without light, it is dark, and without light, it is false. No explanation, no rationalization. And so these are the two sides of reality. The reason is simply the bridge that helps us go from one to another. 
But reason alone cannot change the world. What changes the world from an unreasonable falsehood is an unreasonable truth. And that's what Torah is all about. That's what our devotion to Judaism is all about. That can change the world. Shalom Aleichem. How are you? You know, I do a lot of talking, a lot of Zooming, many classes, many subjects. But that's all formal stuff. Hopefully good stuff, but formal. We also have a Wednesday night meeting that's more informal and kind of um, Hamish. If you want to join us for that kind of an event, um, interactive, time for questions and so on, if you want to join us for this side of conversation, click on the link below and join us every Wednesday night at nine o'clock. Well, maybe not every Wednesday night, but we try to make it every Wednesday night at nine o'clock, a more informal chat, which uh, can be more enjoyable at times than the formal stuff. So check it out, click on the link and join us. Try it, you'll like it.